Welcome to Thousand Hills Ranch Church. We hope this message opens your heart and changes your life. So like I said, my name is TJ Martin. I traveled here with my wife. She's back there sitting next to the sound booth. Hello, her name is Amanda. Very glad for her company on the trip. It was about 350 miles here, and we're glad to be here. Uh, we went to college with Sheila, so we've known her for a while. We're very, very blessed to be here. Um, in 2010, my wife and I, we started God's Country Cowboy Church, and that's in Tallahena. And if any, has anybody been to the southeast part of the state? It is God's Country down there. We have mountains in Oklahoma. Can y'all believe that? We can't see near as far down there as y'all can see here, not unless you're in a clear cut anyway. So anyway, if any of you get down that away, please hit me up. If you have a motorcycle, please let me know. That's all I want to do is ride my motorcycle. So please come do that with me. Um, I have a Facebook page. If I say anything here today that uh, you'd like to talk about a little bit further, uh, please find me on Facebook. I have a ministry there. And, uh, I just want to let you know that I am a student of grace more than I am anything, more than I am a pastor, more than I'm a, a preacher, more than I'm a husband, a father. If it has to do with grace, I want to know it. I want to soak it up. You see, my wife and I, we spent a lot of time um, in traditional church. We, we both grew up in traditional church, and we had wonderful parents, wonderful upbringing, grandparents. Um, the things that I saw here in the, in the barn here last night while we were setting up, I came up here with Sheila and Dusty to help set up. We didn't really help. We just watched, just to be honest with you. But I noticed that, like, every three chairs here is a floss water, and Whenever I was growing up, if I would have had the opportunity to go to children's church, about the 8, 9, 10-year-old range, I would have been in children's church rather than set in somewhere where there was a flyswatter water every three chairs, I promise. Because my grandma brought a flyswatter water with her for a while, and all she would have to do is just like pick it up <laughs> and look at me with the look. You know the look. She could pick up that flyswatter, water, and it was the metal-handled ones. Did they even make those anymore? They would leave a whelp like this with the barbs twisted. You know what I'm talking about. They would leave a mark. So anyway, I always like to laugh. I like to have a good time. We have a, a dirty old um, feed store barn that we're in, and uh, I throw water balloons at people in there all the time. I have a super soaker water gun that I could shoot all the way to the back, and if I don't like the participation that I'm getting, I do hose them down. So we won't be doing any of that here today, but I just want you to know that I like to laugh, I like to have a good time, and I'm so glad that we're in a place where we don't take things way too serious, because that was part of my upbringing, was that everything was way too serious, and I was scared, and um, I held out of a lot of things, I held back a lot of things from God up until really, just to be honest with you, about a year ago, and I've been preaching for 10 years, and that don't mean anything, but... There were so many things that I would not bring to God about me because I was afraid of what he would say about them because I was not in a place of grace. I was not in a place where I understood all of his truths. And so I was just in a place where it was performance-based. It was about saying the right things. It was about being the right places. It was about having enough things on my to-do list and so uh, whenever, we, uh, whenever my wife and I moved to Tallahena about 11 years ago, just outside, had a little, place, a little piece of land there, and we're trying to fix it up and get it ready to 
moved cattle in on it. We had a very young son at the time. He was just about a year old when we moved there. And um, so many things to do. She was teaching school. We got involved with a local church there, a traditional church, very good, loving people. Got involved with youth ministry. And before you knew it, we had more things to do than what we could keep up with. I was trying to build a house, build our place. She was teaching youth ministry, driving the van, getting home 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not saying any of that to make you feel impressed with me because it was pretty empty and shallow, just to be honest with you. I'm telling you all of this because I was so obsessed with the doing than I was the accomplishing and more than just being present with the Lord. And that's a very, very easy thing to do. And so whenever... Sheila reached out to me to see if I would come up here. I mean, I jumped at the opportunity, and I didn't even have to pray about what I was going to bring here because whenever I'm in such a a place of grace, and I knew that that's what I wanted to bring to you guys, it was just very immediately apparent of what I wanted uh, to talk about today. And so the message of this title today, and I don't do a whole lot of title the titles to messages, but this is called His Rest. And this is probably the the most fundamental thing of grace that we could ever wrap our minds around. And so I want you to know that before we get started that it is not about the doing. It is not about the accomplishing. It is not about the busy work. It's not about even being accountable to God in the end. It's about trusting who he is and what he has said about you. And so in a place of grace, we can come to him with everything because we trust that his face is always towards us. If we believe the Bible and if we believe that there is nothing uh, that we can do that can separate us from his love, then we can be with him all the time. And we understand that he is not in a rotating swivel chair that moves away from us whenever we do something that he might not approve of. And then maybe if we give some money to the church or we serve, he turns back towards us and smiles. We have to understand that his face is always towards us. And so I, I realize that the message of grace that I talk about all the time and that I'm deeply in love with doesn't always set right. And I want you to know that that's not my intentions to come here to offend anybody. My intentions is for you to understand grace in its fullness, and it does bring about some questions. And I want you to know that grace says that's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask me questions. It's okay to even disagree with me if you want to. I believe that in a place of grace, we can do that and be very, very respectful. And um, in my past, I probably couldn't have done that, but I, I can now. And so I want you to know that whenever we are looking to his rest, the only way that we can enter that is to understand that We believe in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? Whenever those words, it is finished, come out of his mouth, whenever he was on the cross, I want you to know that he meant it. And whenever he said it is finished, he meant all of it. All of it. Now, there are things that we need to do to to make sure that this church runs smoothly. There's things that we need to do to make sure that this church prospers and that it grows and that all the things that a church needs. But I want you to know that None of it matters if you are not in a place of his righteousness. So whenever he said, it is finished, he declared upon all of us that believes in that work that it is finished and that you take on his righteousness. 
And it's not something that you manufacture. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you go get. It's not something that is progressive. It's an all or none, one type, and it's done with. And so he says that we are righteous. And it may feel wrong for some of you to be able to accept that, but I want you to know that the gift that he offers us, the only thing that he wants us to do is to receive it and appreciate it. Nothing else. It's not even about what it produces in you and to somebody else. It's not about you cannot give somebody something that you yourself do not have. And so what I've realized about myself personally is that I had so many things just completely backwards. I had the doing before I had the receiving. I tried to do in order to receive. I had to try to prove myself, to justify myself in front of him, but that was never, ever his plan. That was never how he meant for it to be. So if we go back and we look at the Old Testament and we talk about the Ten Commandments, we even talk about the 613 laws of Judaism. Those are all of those laws that they made up uh, in Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all of those ones that it's really hard for us to talk about and really hard for us to wrap our minds around. 613 of those, if you slid them all together in one place, all of those things were only a foreshadowing of the things to come. Jesus come to fulfill all of those things, to fulfill the law so it could be taken away from us. And the only way that we are able to be justified in God's sight, according to all of those laws, is to receive his love and receive his grace and nothing else. And so God, you know, he, he poured all of his love into the nation of Israel. And he kept giving them all these opportunities to receive by faith, you know, just kind of as a foreshadowing of things to come. They had a disobedience, man, and they had an unbelief. And so they kept wandering around in the wilderness forever and ever, and they could never enter into the Canaan land where that was the place of rest. And the only reason that they could not get in there was because of their disobedience and their unbelief. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. And so as we look to the scripture here today, we kind of we start out in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. 9 through 11, I understand there's some speakers that come here that like for you guys to open your Bibles, and so I would certainly invite you to do that if you have them here with you. It's easier for me just so I don't lose a place. I'm going to read it off the screen to you, but I'll give you just a second for those of you that are looking for your Bibles. It says right here, he says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I just like to pause right there because if you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we should have that rest, and I want you to know that we're fixing to start talking about the Sabbath and everything that that means, but I want you to know that there is a God-designated place for every one of you to be in his rest. And I, I never found it until about a year ago. I was so tired. I was so just wore out, just frustrated because I, I never did enough. I, I never had that rest. And so, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. You look in the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis, and it talks about God ceasing from his work. After the sixth day, and he took the seventh day, it's not that he was tired. He didn't need the rest. He did that as an example for us to see that this is something that is going to be required of us. This is something that we need 
This is something that we need to just to be able to keep on functioning. And so he did that himself to give us an example. And so if you really go back and you start to translate those Hebrew words, it says that we need uh, to work to enter into his rest. And that sounds funny. But it means that we need to make sure that we make every effort to enter into his rest. And I want you to know that this is where grace starts. Entering into his rest is the very beginning of grace. Nothing else will be able to be imparted to you of his love until you enter into his rest. And we do that again by taking on his righteousness and nothing else. So there it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now he's talking about the nation of Israel right there because by their disobedience, because of their lack of faith, they had to keep wandering around in the desert. They could not enter into his rest because of their disobedience. And lots of times, just to be completely honest with you, Christian work and church has saddled us up with so much work that we can't even enter into his rest because in the name of doing his work. It's backwards. It's backwards. And so we go on to the, to the next scripture that we have right here. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. And so this is what I love about this scripture right here is that in a place of grace, what God wants us to do is he wants us to take on a consciousness of perfection. He wants us to take on a consciousness of his righteousness. And so if we are continually tied to the law, if we're continually tied to our works, then we're going to have a sin consciousness. And the Bible says that the law was giving so that sin would increase, not that it would go away or decrease. The law was always meant to shine a light on what was wrong with people. The law of itself never had the power to purify anybody. Only God himself can do that, and he chose to do that for me and you through his son, Jesus Christ. And so... In the Old Testament, the, all of those laws and uh, in the temple, the priests that were there continually, they had to be offering all these sacrifices every year. And I want you to know that there was a piece of equipment that was in the temple that we have all over the place today that was very forbidden at that time, and that was a chair. If you was to walk into a temple in the, in the Old Testament, into those places back there, if you walked in and you saw that priest sitting there, I'm just going to tell you that he's going to be dead before too long because it was forbidden for him to sit down. He had to be standing continuously ministering because there was no rest for him. You know why? Because he could offer a sacrifice for you this year and before the sun had set, we've already done away with all that because we've sinned again. And so it was a continual process over and over again and it was just exhausting. Driving people crazy. Driving people absolutely losing their mind because there was no relief in sight to be able to get away from all of this sin. There was no purification. There was no righteousness. There was no uh, new identity for those people. And so it's something that had to be continued over and over again. And so what he wants us to do is that we take on his righteousness. And whenever we do that and we're focused on that and we're no longer focused on the ways that we mess up and we're no longer focused on the things that are taking away, then I want you to know that the righteous person will avoid more sin by accident 
then the sin conscious person will on purpose. That's just the, the natural progression of the way things go. If we are focused on our identity, on what, how he has pronounced us to be, to be righteous, blameless, and holy in his sight, I want you to know that that's who we'll be. By accident, just as a byproduct, it's easy. This is not meant to be hard. But traditional ways of doing things has told us that it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be tough, and we're supposed to be grinding all the time. And we're just doing and doing and doing, and sometimes we forget why. The next scripture that we go to right here says, But in those, those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. That's the priest standing there doing those sins. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. The only thing that he could do is cover them over. Year after year, time after time, the best that they could do is once a year get cleansed up. There's no safety in that. There's no rest. There's no peace. The only thing that we had to look forward to was placing all of our hope in some dude standing there. And by the way, they had to tie a rope around his waist as, we, as he went back there to the holies of holies to make the sacrifice. Tie a rope around his waist. Because if he wasn't cleansed himself whenever he went back there, he wasn't coming out alive. They had to drag his old carcass out. That's not who I want carrying my hope of my justification in front of a holy God. And so we go back to the cross. Again, whenever Jesus says those words, it is finished, he meant it. And grace says we're placing the finished work of Jesus Christ above anything else, nothing else. Not our work, not our service, not our worship, not our thoughts, not anything else. It is the, the sacrifice of the cross up here, and then everything else is down here. Not to take that wrong and to say that you, in grace you can go do whatever you want to, that you get a license to sin because that's not it at all. Grace is about receiving. It's not about taking. We have people that take from us all the time. They may not be stealing, but we have people that, that we just allow to take from us. Grace does not go and just take. Grace receives what he has freely given to us, and we say that it is good, and that's all that we need. That's what grace is. And so again, the title of this message is His Rest. We enter into his rest. And so we look back and we reflect on our religious times, our religious service uh, that we offer to whatever. And sometimes we put that service in front of the rest that he offers us, and that's why we feel so empty inside sometimes, and it doesn't feel like we can ever do enough things. And so if we are not in a place of rest, just to be completely open and honest with you we're really no good to those around us not in its entirety not in the long run we're just kidding ourselves and, and everybody else around us I believe we have one more scripture that we have right here um, I believe we have one there um, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which will never take away sins. We've covered this, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus. 
And so we know that he's there at God's right hand, and he sat down because his work is done. And Galatians 2.20 says that we've been co-crucified with Christ. We don't have this. That's okay. We've been co-crucified with Christ, and if we are, have been placed in him, him and us, us and him, then in the heavenly places we are with him also. And so I want you to know that God will not do anything to us in the heavenly places that he will not do to us right here. And so if we are in Jesus, then we are also seated at God's right hand because the work is done. And it's just something that we have to remember as we go into our week that it's finished. It's done. Jesus is not going to stand back up because he's done with it. You know, some more says, from that time waiting till his enemies are offered are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified and that ladies and gentlemen is you and I as believers we close with the scripture in Matthew right here Jesus says this he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and I've read this scripture over and over since I was a child and you have seen it but maybe we've always had it just a little bit backwards and we'd never really understood what his rest meant. And so as we get ready to close today, this is what I would like to invite all of you to do as we have a little bit better understanding of what his rest is. Jesus is saying these words to you, come to me and I will give you rest. We can come to him and be honest with him about all the things that are true about us because in the place of grace, there is no judgment from him. All of that has been taken from us. There is no more punishment. And while we're talking about that, I'll just say this. Somehow or another, through my belief system somewhere, I always thought that, man, at the end, whenever all the knees shall bow and all the tongues are going to confess Jesus Christ, and I know that I'm a believer and I'm looking forward to that time, but for some reason, I always thought he's going to have a little movie screen, something like this. And in that place where that movie screen is, he's going to be playing all of those things and showing me and like pointing at them and looking at me with a cockeyed look. All of the ways that I've messed up, even though I know that I'm going to slide on into heaven, he's still going to be like, what, what's all this? Playing all the ways that I failed? Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's not there. That's not a place of grace. That's not a place of rest. That's not the promised land. That's not heaven. That's going to be for the unbeliever. And that's why we do what we do so these people won't have to see that, so they can be uh, excluded from all that. That is not for us, okay? We're not going to be judged anymore because the sacrifice has been made and it's done. It's finished. And so Jesus is inviting all of us to come into a place of rest. And the only way that we can is knowing that there is no punishment waiting for us. Heaven is not a place that we would look forward to if we thought that we're going to have to take some punishment, take our licks before we slide on in. That's not a place that I would look forward to. That's worse than the twisted up water marks on your legs. He's not sitting there waiting behind a bush to jump out and get us and say, I caught you that time. That's not grace. That's not rest. And so again, I want to read this. As we understand his rest a little bit better, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I could talk for three hours about the words right here that's after that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For some of you, the Christian service has been heavy and hard. It was for me for a long time. Whenever I come into the throne room of grace, I understood that being honest with him about all the things that was true about me become so much easier because I wasn't worried about the punishment that I was going to receive. I abandoned all of the investment that I had on the outward appearance that I had about me, that I had about my church, that I had about my ministry, that I had about my family. I abandoned all of that, and I am in a place of rest all the time now. I've never been happier in my life. Never. That's all I want for you. And so please give yourself permission today. I'm not trying to bring heresy to you. I'm not trying to get you to to deny any of your Christian beliefs or anything like that. Actually, I'm trying to add to them. But please, please, sometime today, whether you can right now or not, some of this is brand new to some of us, I know. But please give yourself permission to say that it's okay to receive from him. Somehow or another, we've been taught over and over it's about what we give, it's about what we sacrifice, it's about what we have to offer. But we can't do that backwards. That's what I did for years. I just wanted to show him that I was worth the sacrifice. But he knew that up front. I didn't need to prove anything to him. It was always there. His truth never changes. So many dynamics of grace, but this is the fundamental of it. You will never be able to, uh, to be able to soak in the fullness of grace until we enter His rest. So as we bow our heads today, I'm going to just close with this. As Jesus invites us to take His yoke upon Him, it's easy and it's light. It is meant for us to be yoked up with him, with him doing the pulling, and us just following beside him. Y'all know what it's like. You've seen yokes put on the teams. You put the younger, inexperienced animal right there beside the old workhorse that knows what it's doing, that knows the way, that knows the route, that knows all of the commands. That one's doing all of the heavy lifting. The younger, unexperienced one is just along for the ride to kind of get the, get the bumps lined out. And so I just want to invite you to take on his yoke and to understand that it is okay for you to receive his love and that you don't have to do anything today to earn it. He loves you as much now as he ever will, and you are just as righteous now as you ever will be. And it's because of his righteousness that he gave us and nothing else. So I just want you to know again that I believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ and that I I receive his grace in its fullness. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the opportunity to talk about grace. And Father, your rest is something that I missed out on for such a long time. I saddled my family up with a lot of unrest, with a lot of unnecessary uh, doing of things and trying to accomplish checklists and all the different ways to be a better Christian. And all along, all I had to do was enter the throne room of grace. 
That was always your plan. It was always there. It never moved. It's always been in the right place. So I just thank you for your truth. And I thank you for the ability that I have now to come to you about the things that are true about me. And that I know that I have escaped judgment. And that I will be with you forever. Seated at God's right hand. So I believe in you. I believe in your sacrifice. And I receive it in his fullness and I will never make grace cheap by my disobedience. And so by my obedience, Father, I enter and I remain in your rest. And so I pray that every person here, that if they have unrest in their life, that they'll give themselves permission to take it because that's what you offer us. And so we love you, and we're very thankful for the opportunity that we have to be here together today and worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you've made a commitment today, you can get in touch with us at thousandhillsranch.church or call us at 580-216-6427. We ride to be generous and we celebrate the cheerful giver. If you feel led to give, please go to thousandhillsranch.church and click on the Give tab to give your tithes and offering today. Have a blessed week.